Welcome to Making Conversations Count. This is the podcast that business leaders share their pivotal moments, a conversation that was a turning point in their life in business. Today's guest is the wonderful Azam Mamaji. Thank you for joining me, Azam. I'm really grateful to be here in this autumn time. It is the first podcast I'm doing and I'm feeling a little bit vulnerable. Well, don't worry, Azam, I will look after you. With every guest that comes on the show, we'll share a little bit about how we met. And I've never heard your pivotal moment before. That's the beauty of the concept of it, is that hopefully our listeners will take something from your story and it will resonate with them and it'll blend out into the ether to help those people that are listening. I'm honoured that it's your first podcast. I've been on the other side. This is my first podcast show. So it's fantastic to be able to invite people like yourself who I see as a peer in your industry. So, Sam, tell the listeners, how did we meet? Virtually. So online. So it wasn't a dating website, but it was (laughs) another website for business networking. And I I didn't see you across a room, but across a Zoom room. It was great when we sort of had a a one-to-one and we sort of connected. And I, I seem could, to uh, remember yeah, talking about a tree outside of your window. Yeah, yeah. And there's, I'm really grateful. There's some beautiful old big trees outside my window. And whatever the day I'm having, there's one tree, a pine tree, which is over 100 years old by how it is. And it always looks down on me and smiles a little and says, well, you know, however, however your day has been, I've seen all the seasons and I've seen them come and go and I still provide shelter for people. And I've seen the winds and I've seen that everything is temporary. And it's quite a comforting thing that that tree does to me. And um, sometimes I'm in a meeting and I will look out to the side and it waves its branch. And I take comfort for that. The tree speaks to you then. It does. It's so generous. It gives its time and with no expectation of return. That's got to be a lot easier than having a dog and having to take that out for a walk. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I'm blessed to have met you and only met you this year, really, as I am as well. What I particularly loved about our first conversation was the approach that you have in business and in life is just to get to know a person and to understand truly what it is that they're looking to achieve so that Mm. you can see how you can help. You have a real holistic approach, not that our listeners can see, but the banner behind you is, it looks like you standing on the top of a mountain with your arms outstretched. And it could be several different phrases that spring to Mm. mind depending on how you feel it's like yes relief yes I've achieved so Mm. many adjectives that come to mind what is it about that image that struck you as being a representation of you in business the journey and you know I see the journey and you know I see myself and everybody else and you know I see business owners and colleagues and we're all on journeys and we're all on a path and sometimes you've got to know, you know, which way, and when there's forks in the path, which way. And when you've got good people around you, that makes life so much easier. So when I sort of see that image of someone on the mountaintop, they've been through that. And when 
I'm looking for people to work with, it's a real joy when somebody says, you know, I've been in a similar position and these are the things that I had to think about. That brings a great tapestry and richness to life. When we have business conversations, it is then about seeing where somebody is on that journey or where that business is on that life. You know, we talked about that tree right at the beginning and, you know, it might ask, you know, what season are we in? Is this business in its spring? Is it in its autumn? Is it in its winter? Or is it in its summer? And that means it needs different things. Once you understand that, that helps you to actually give much better and also really be part of that journey with that, say, business owner. I think it's connection, yeah. being connected and a much deeper level than just, here's what I do. Do you want it or not? That's what you want to achieve. This is how I can help you get there. You're really an educator, a scholar at what you do. That's mm. that's sort of how I perceive it. And there's a lot of people that you meet in your field that perhaps don't see that journey the same. So it's a real joy to meet somebody that wants to be on that journey. With what you do, we've not mentioned what you do, but you run an accountancy firm. Yes. So you're dealing a lot with numbers. However, it is really the words that forge the action. And I can imagine that there are difficult conversations as well as some really positive conversations that you have. So by having that shared love of connecting with your customers, I'm guessing that when people come to you, they don't leave readily. Whilst I'm going to disagree with you, Wendy. Are you? Yeah, That's fine. I am. And I'm going to say that actually numbers are like words. They tell a story. And it tells a story about how well somebody's doing, the strength of a position, a balance sheet, or how well somebody's been doing over a period of profit and loss account, or how the blood is flowing within an organization, the cash flow statement. And once you really understand the story that these numbers are telling you, you get a real insight into those people and what's happening. And so I see a real connection between not just what's in people's heads, but also then what is shown by the numbers and the stories that are shown by the numbers. And sometimes there's a disconnect. Yeah, I think that's probably why I made the uh, rash remark that it's words that tells the story, mm. because that's what everybody communicates in language and words. But of course, you're right. That's why we need specialists like you to understand the numbers so you mm. can translate the story, because to some numbers are in fact, a foreign language, aren't they? Yeah. And this language, like normal language, has its own grammar, syntax. And also just by changing the way things are shown or the order of words, you can change the emphasis and you can change how the story looks. I can show you a profit and loss account, which shows a huge loss. And the story could be, this is terrible. You have not made any money. And just by changing how things are, that same profit and loss account, the story could be they are investing huge amounts of money for future potential. So an IT company like LinkedIn, Facebook, Google made huge losses in the beginning, but they invested a huge amount of money to then reap rewards in the future. So you can see that even just by that sort of narrative, you can change things. It's the difference between sacrifice and risk, I think. Do you sacrifice now or is it a risk now 
or is it an investment now? Yeah. Yeah. And there's lots of wonderful things you can do. And if you sort of understand that language, and that's um, a little bit of what I love doing. You are the Barry White of accountants. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have an aura around you that when you're talking as well, that I will sit and listen. And the way that you present is that I will sit and listen. Mm. So I think that also enhances the whole experience of understanding numbers and what those numbers mm. are going to do, because that's mm. just yet another layer of trust that I have because I'm listening intently to what mm. it is that you're going to tell me. Now, I'm going to move us on to your pivotal moment, Azam. So the floor's yours to share that story with us. Wow. Pivotal moments. And what does that mean? For me, what that means is a time when there was a conversation that suddenly changed the way that I looked at something, suddenly changed the way that I felt about something. And you've got to recognize that. And the time that comes to mind as we sit here now, Wendy, you and me together, is actually a time in a cafe. And it was a sunny day. And there was this cafe in my old college. I went to something called Jesus College, Cambridge. And I was there a year ago waiting for my daughter. And my daughter had applied to university and somehow she'd applied to my old university. She kind of was looking at other universities and then she says, Papa, you know, what about your old university? I'm going to go and see that one. Certainly. And then, you know, she, and I took her to the Cambridge Open Day for computer science. And then I said, well, you need to also apply to a college. So she said, you know, look at all the colleges. And then she said, oh, Papa, I've looked at the colleges and I want to apply to your old college. And I said, you know, but the odds are very, very small. And she worked really hard then for six months. She got some, you know, work experience. She did lots of different things, put together her CV and the, all these statements and everything else. And then I don't know how she did it, but she got an interview. And I know those interviews. You're down to the last 30 and there's five places. And everybody is like an A-star candidate. And then she said, Papa, can you take me to the interview? So I'm back at my old college and I'm sitting in the cafe with a laptop and a mobile phone pretending to work, but I'm not. She's gone for some exact, sort of some tests in the morning and then she's going to go for some interviews in the afternoon. But she said, oh, Papa, I'm going to have lunch with you. We're in the college cafe and you know, I'll come and get you. And then... I remember seeing her walking towards me through the window and she was walking down the path. I could almost not recognize her. Like she was this like confident person walking. She didn't seem like my daughter. And then she came in and then she said to me, Papa, I'm not going to have lunch with you. I said, no, what do you mean you're not going to have lunch with me? And she said, I've been speaking to with some of the other candidates who were in the test. And if it's okay with you, I'm going to have lunch with them. And then she turned. And in that second, in that moment, in that instant, her hair flicked. She turned around. And I knew in that moment 
that she was her own being. Not your she, little girl anymore. She wasn't that little, no, she wasn't my little girl anymore. And actually she didn't need me at that time. And that she was going to be responsible for the whole of her life. And that I didn't have to project what I wanted for her on her. But she was her own flame. She'd followed her own path. You'd held her hand to that moment without pushing or pulling, but just walking beside her. It's as a parent, and I have a daughter that's gone through university and come out with a first degree, and there is nothing prouder, is there, in a parent's life than just knowing in that moment, kind of all that work that you've done is done. If we could bottle it, it would be brilliant. They can fly. They are their own flame. And our role is really then changed and different. It was a bittersweet moment. So, you know, almost a tear came to my eye because I was thinking, you know, actually I loved holding that little thing. Yeah. And And you you were probably hungry and waiting for some lunch. (laughs) Maybe I was. (laughs) (laughs) How beautiful, though, because they are... Our little girls are butterflies in the end, aren't they? They hatch. And just the way that you described that flick of the hair was like her wings unfolding and she's off. Mm. I was the witness to that. So I was watching that. And I was watching my own emotions as well. I'm really grateful that actually we can all see that and you know experience these things. Just really savour those moments. Even this moment with you, Wendy. You see, you can flick your hair. For the listeners, I don't have any hair. So I dream of hair. I've still got lockdown hair. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's a beautiful pivotal moment to realise that, you know, you were there as a father, but sort of relinquished of some form of responsibility over Mm. that person because they owned it themselves. And when I said it was a bittersweet moment and there's almost a tear, but also there was a weight lifting from me that actually, yeah, I know the burden of this person, actually, no, you know, they can now dance their dance. Yeah. It's the worry of a parent because there's certain things that we just can't control. Yeah. And they get to a certain age. I would say, it's fine. My dad used to say, it's fine. Once they go to bed, I don't have to worry anymore. And I was like, well, Mm. you don't worry what they're dreaming. (laughs) Being a parent is a beautiful thing. And I see that even with business owners. Sometimes they cannot close the door and move on to something else or think about something else, you know, in the the evening. Mm. There is that weight on them. And when is it, can you trust the business? Or can you build something where you can let it go and not have to be on the bridge all the time? I understand what you're saying. And I think... The homework that I was given on my mental health first aider course was a two-day course. And that first evening was put your phone away for an hour. And the next day, gosh, it was 10 of us on that course. And every single person struggled with their phone away from them for an hour, fearful that something might happen or they might miss something. And, you know, I go from my office into the house now and that's my homework every day. 
Mm. I go in, put the kettle on. I'll say, what's everybody been up to today? And I'll cook the dinner and the phone stays in the kitchen for the rest of the evening because it's family time. There's nothing that can't wait till tomorrow. That's true. It's that chicken licking moment, isn't it? That the sky won't fall in. So in part, it's about the business. In part, it's about how we deal with it. And yes, if we've got big aspirations because we want to give our children so much more, we still have to remember to be in the moment with our children. And sometimes, you know, when I look at that tree over there, it just says the same sort of thing. I am constant. I'm here. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and, and also, you know, it keeps on giving shade. And the squirrels love it. They keep on bouncing <laughs> They're around. They're busy right now. <laughs> they are busy right now. <laughs> Azam, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much for sharing your pivotal moment with me and the listeners. Just before we go, tell people where can they find you if they want to reach out and have a chat with you about our conversation today social media is something i love and hate but there is something called linkedin so you can find me pretty easily on that at azam amuji and obviously we have a website m-cubed.org and i love connecting with people i've never found anyone who doesn't have a seed of beauty within them that's kind of why we're going to keep making conversations count azam thank you wendy no, thank you, Azam. Don't forget to send your comments in to me. I'm going to be looking forward to reading those. Share with your audience and uh, make sure you stay subscribed so you don't ever miss an episode. Thanks so much for listening. Listener.